did laugh, Zoe, when you said, what did you pray? Something about the message that you have prepared for her. And I was like, yeah, probably, actually. <laughs> it's true. I need to be preaching to myself. So, <laughs> Okay. Okay, for those of you who don't know, might, may not know me, you might be here for the first time. So my name is Michelle. Um, our family has been coming to CV for actually about 17 years. So makes me feel quite old. But um, so it's quite a while and um, I'm married to Henry and we have three daughters. Sophie's 17, Emily is 14 and is that right? Yeah, Eva's, tw- <laughs> Eva's 12. So, um, yeah, they are pretty cool. Um, and, yeah, it's a real, real honour to speak to you today. Um, uh, as we see in Genesis, God's words bring life. And I really have been praying that the words that I speak today will bring life um, and and encourage you and give you hope and um, yeah and just really bless you. So cool. Um, the, the I'm not really speaking on a, partic- a real Mother's Day theme necessarily, but um, oh, there we go. <laughs> you know what I'm thinking already. Um, but. I mean, I wanted it to be relevant for everybody, whether you're mothers or not. So um, I hope it blesses you. So, yeah, as you can see, today I'm talking on compassion, learning from Jesus. Um, and it's funny, my uh, the slide is slightly different than I actually intended. The learning from Jesus used to be all in one line, and it looked better, you know. So I'm, I'm dealing with that. Uh, yeah. Deep breathing. <laughs> um, okay, so what is compassion? Well, um, in many ways, the English word doesn't actually do it justice because uh, uh, the Greek word for compassion is, <coughs> listen to this pronunciation, splanknizomai, splanknizomai, which is a pretty cool word. And so the first part of the word, splankna, uh, means our internal organs. And so splanknizomai literally means to be moved in the inward parts. Okay, so to be moved so deeply by something that you literally feel it in the pit of your stomach. So we're talking gut-level emotions, really, and, and it's allowing ourselves to be moved by the pain of others. So um, the English word actually comes from the Latin, uh, com, uh, is with or together, and party is to suffer. So compassion is to suffer with. And as we will see a little bit in a bit, bit of time, Jesus really um, suffered with many, many people that he met. Okay, and just quickly, the difference between empathy and compassion, there is quite a significant difference because compassion acts from empathy. Um, so empathy is our awareness of other people's feelings and emotions, and it's attempt to, underst- to understand it, how they feel, but it doesn't have an active component to it. So according to Psychology Today, compassion is an empathetic understanding of a person's feelings, 
accompanied by altruism or a desire to act on that person's behalf. So it adds a completely different dimension when it's got the component of action with it. Um, So an example of this is when I watch the news, I've become a lot more like my mother, which is not a bad thing, which is an awesome thing, but... Um, so I'll be watching the news occasionally and um, there'll be something a, a, something on, a piece on that basically is really sad and, you know, something quite tragic and I will sit there and well up because I just find it, it really touches me and, and some of you might be like that, I don't know. But, um, but, but so I cry, you know, I cry quite easily but I'm not necessarily move to do anything about it. I just sit there and feel sad and then move on. So that's not compassion, that's empathy. That's, um, yeah, I'm not really motivated to act. Compassion leads to a solution and it's synonymous with doing something. Okay, so I've got this clicker here. I've never used this clicker before, so it's a steep learning curve. Okay. So what does the Bible tell us about compassion? Um, yep. Is that working? No? You might have to do it. The next slide. Yeah, the right arrow? Do I, which direction? <laughs> Actually, okay. It's, it's, yeah, it's the one before that, I think. No? Technical issues. Okay, I'll just keep talking anyway. So what does the Bible tell us about compassion? A lot. Uh, first and foremost, God is full of compassion. Bill Johnson refers to compassion as a divine expression um, and as we look at the character of God, we can see that compassion is, his compassion is revealed many different ways. No? Okay. Isaiah chapter 30 verse 18 says, Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. He rises to show you compassion. Isaiah 49 verse 13, For the Lord comforts his people and will have compassion on his afflicted ones. Psalm 86, for you, O Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. In Psalm 103, verse 13, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you. Thanks, Matt. Um, So God is full of compassion, and he will rescue his people, and he does this by entering into the suffering of humanity. So Jesus, as God's deep compassion, become human. So how did Jesus show compassion? Well, um, next slide. Can, oh, can I use it now? No. Okay. 
So there are many stories of, um, of, and examples of how Jesus showed compassion in the Bible. So he's actually the compassion champion. He, he lets compassion totally mess up his plans, frustrate his followers, uh, um, and completely destroy his work. Um, So in Matthew 9, verses 35 to 36, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. So he, um, Jesus did many different things. Jesus healed the sick. He um, healed the blind beggar. In Matthew chapter 20. In Mark chapter 1, he heals a man with leprosy. Filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. Further on, he heals a paralyzed man, he heals a bleeding woman. And a diff- another different, um, different way that he showed compassion was. Um, in John chapter 2, where he changed water into wine, and you might think, how's that compassion? It would have resulted from running out of wine at a wedding, and that's compassion. Um, in John chapter 11, he, when Jesus learns about the death of his friend Lazarus, um, in verse 33, so he, Mary was the one that he found out from. And when Jesus saw her weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. And in verse 35, Jesus wept. And then, of course, he raised Lazarus from the dead, which was awesome. And so the ultimate act of love and compassion um, and sacrifice was when Jesus, the Son of God, who did no wrong and deserved no punishment... Yet he felt such deep compassion for us that he took all the punishment we deserved by dying on the cross. And that's the ultimate act of compassion. And he paid for our sins. So even within this one story, there's actually lots of different examples of compassion within it. So to the soldiers, um, actually, oh, I might try this now. Here we go. To the soldiers who crucified him in Luke 23, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And as he hung on the cross, no doubt in absolute agony, his compassion for the criminal who was beside him, um, who said to him, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom, and Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. To actually have compassion when you're in that state is quite something. Um, so it was compassion who was going to watch him die. John nineteen twenty six. when Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved, Loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Dear woman, here is your son. And this disciple 
took her into his home. I just wanted to give a quick example of someone who at one point in my life showed me um, Christ-like compassion um, when I really needed it. So about almost 18 years ago, we had moved, Henry and I had moved from London to Wellington and um, we very soon after, in fact it was a month after we moved, I gave birth to Sophie. Um, well, not a month, yes, a month after we moved to Wellington anyway. But because um, actually I was re- telling Sophie this story and she said, how did you fly when you were that pregnant? And I was like, oh, that's a good point. But anyway, that, it, we, we went to Christchurch first and then for a few months with my parents and then we moved to Wellington. And so, um, so it was a huge adjustment. So I was, you know, we were in a brand new city. We... Um, it was a completely different phase of life. Um, we had no family around. Um, very few friends, really. We didn't really know that many people. And Henry had a new job, so he was busy with that. And there was me with this baby. And I absolutely had no idea what I was doing, really, because who does? Um, and I was, I was lonely, really. And... Um, and I just felt overwhelmed, completely overwhelmed. And so we came along to CV. Um, and I just met somebody, uh, a lovely lady, who decided she was going to start looking out for me and, um, and take me under her wing. Uh, and she regularly phoned me uh, during the day. She listened to me probably ramble on. <laughs> Am I doing this right? You know, she sleep for this many hours and is that okay? And blah, 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 blah. Um, she listened to me. She heard me, you know, I cried over the phone. Um, she prayed with me. She visited me when she could and she, and she invited me into her home as well. And um, over that period of time, it was literally like a lifeline. It was an absolute lifeline to me. I, yeah, it was so significant. And um, she, was, she was Jesus to me. Yeah, she was Jesus to me. And you may presume that, oh, she was probably an older lady who had lots of time. No, she was actually only a few years older than me. And she, she had a toddler. She had a little girl, and then she also had um, she had a baby on the way. So she was busy. She was really busy, and she, um, you know, she could have thought, "I'm too busy with my own life. I can't really take anybody else on board." But she didn't. And in a really, really simple way, her compassion had a profound effect on me. It really did, and I can sort of see it even more so looking back on it. Um. But that wasn't anything like, it wasn't anything really, I mean, it was just quite simple. Just, a, just those things were really simple. Um, so there's a story in the Bible that um, I think demonstrates compassion really well. And it's the story, it's actually the only one of the miracles to appear in all the four Gospels. There's Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. And so I think that's worth paying attention to. Um, 
It's the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. So I'm going to read it, and then we'll just draw a few things from it. So Jesus has just found out that John has died. Okay. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the village and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have, only, we have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. Um, some of you may have been here a few weeks ago when Graydon Harvey spoke. I don't know where they were, but um, he spoke. And one thing he said actually really stuck with me. He said that Jesus often prayed for the sick first before he preached. And it's really interesting. He, re- you know, he reached out with compassion first. And this is exactly what he did in this story. Um, so this is a story of miraculous multiplication. He provided for the people both physically, spiritually and physically in such a practical way. I mean, he, he provided lunch. And he taught the people the word of God, which actually was their greatest need. So what can we learn from this story? Well, I think there are, are three things that we can learn, three main things that we can learn, probably many more, but I've got three points um, of things that we can learn. How can we maintain a heart of compassion? One, look at normal everyday needs with supernatural eyes. Number two, expect God to use what we have in our hands. And number three, always keep eternity in mind. So I'm just going to go through those points in detail. Um, so, was um, can look at boat live nowhere. It's so they can. Send the crowds away so they buy themselves some food. Really practical need to go shopping. Stop seeing such a... And if we see them through God's eyes, it can be a very different way of looking at things. So if we have an expectation that God will move, I think that 
that that's the way to do it. You know, in Ephesians 3, verse 20, it says that God can do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. Isn't that amazing? The second one, expect God to use what we have in our hands. Um, now, in verse 19, it says, um, and he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave it to the disciples and the disciples gave it to the people. Can you see the order with that? Okay, so from that description, it doesn't sound like Jesus had actually multiplied the food before he gave it to the disciples. He gave it, it's to me, I mean, I could be wrong, but it sounds like he gave the five loaves to the disciples and then the miracle happened in the hands of the disciples. So I've got a bit of a prop here. Here's my five loaves. Um, I haven't got the fish. I thought it would be a bit smelly. But um, five loaves. It was a big, big discussion in our house. What kind of bread should I use for this? Um, I thought this looked kind of Middle Eastern. <laughs> so there's five of them in here. You'll have to believe me. I probably can't. Um, so this is a tiny basket of food. Tiny. And if you imagine you are a disciple... And you've got probably maybe um, half half of a loaf of bread to give to your your bit and of the crowd, you know. I mean, that's not a lot. <laughs> and and if I'm honest, if I was a disciple and I was handing this out, I'd probably be really tempted to say. Here, Rob, um, maybe just take a little, little bit because look at all the people I have to, we have to feed. Don't be greedy, you know? Because that's a tiny bit of bread. That's, that's, I think if I was in that situation, I might have been tempted to, be, to do that, to say that. Um, but what happened? As we've learnt from the story, the food never ran out. I, don't, I just find that mind-blowing. The food never ran out. But it was in the hands of the disciples that that happened. And obviously there were 12 basketfuls left over. Sometimes we see need and we easily dismiss our involvement or our own impact because of limited resources, limited time, limited money. We think, I can't fix that. It's too, it's, we put it in the too hard basket. Is that quite clever, that? <laughs> anyway, um, you know, we think, oh, I can't make a difference. It's, um, I'm not experienced enough, maybe. But the disciples had to really trust Jesus that with this little amount, he would do something utterly miraculous and so that there was plenty for everyone and, and actually, you know, in excess. So I want you to think now, I want you to sit, there and think, what do I have in my hands? Not literally, but <laughs> what do I have in my hands? Maybe you have skills, maybe you have talents, maybe you have resources, interests. You might be an amazing cook. You might love to entertain. You might dance really well. You might be really good at making conversation. 
or you might be a really good listener. God can use any of those things and many, many more. All you need to do is hand it over to him and expect him, expect him to use what you have in your hands. I really love the story of Moses in in Exodus chapter 4. God had instructed him to bring the Israelites out of Egypt and basically Moses was having a, a pity party arguing with God, saying, who, who am I? Who am I to do that? I, I can't do it. People won't listen to me. I'm not eloquent. I, I, you know, you've got the wrong person. And, and most of us can identify with those feelings. I certainly can. But in verse 2 of Exodus chapter 4, the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. So, you know, a wooden stick. (laughs) And what did God do with that? Well, if you know the story, he used that wooden stick to deliver the Israelites from Pharaoh, to part the Red Sea. I mean, the stick turned into a snake at one point. Um, and And also to bring water from a rock. And they're pretty amazing things. So consider what he can do with what is in your hands. Okay, and the next, the last one. Um, in Mark 6, um, I think I read this earlier, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. So always keep eternity in mind. So it's, it's about living beyond ourselves. Anytime you help somebody, you might cook a meal for a neighbour. You might um, help somebody. You point to God because you carry the presence of God where you go. And I don't think we understand that often. We carry God into situations carry the presence of the Holy Spirit. So our actions today can echo into eternity. Social justice on, it, on its own is, is a fantastic thing. But as followers of Jesus, we are not just serving because when we are willing to serve, we actually earn the right to be heard. Jesus cared deeply about the poor and the downtrodden Um, And he just demonstrated, as we've seen, he demonstrated his compassion in tangible ways. Comforting people, uh, touching the leper, giving sight to the blind. But he also preached the good news of God's love and God's salvation. And he is our example. Um, So how do we show this compassion? you know, I, there's a song that we've sung here before at CV and I've, I've had it on repeat for about two weeks on Spotify. You know how you do, you kind of get hooked into a particular song and um, I love the words. I think they're awesome. It says it so well with the words of the song. We speak the name of Jesus into situations. The holy name because his name is power, his name is healing and his name is life. Over every heart and every mind, over all fear and anxiety, over every darkness. 
because we know there is peace within his presence, we speak Jesus. Okay. So we want to be a people who don't just do good. Doing good is great, but we also want to point to Jesus. So that's why compassion is such a critical part of our faith. Our message looks a bit hollow, I think, to the world if it's not matched by our actions. How can we tell others that God loves them if we're not actually loving them ourselves? So today is Mother's Day, and um, I think compassion is a trait that many mothers have, but many women in general actually have, I think. You don't have to be a mother. Um, um, and, but it's not actually always a trait that people have. Some people find it, you know, you might be sitting there thinking, actually, that doesn't, compassion doesn't come supernaturally to me. Um, we're all quite different. We have different personalities. We have different character traits. So I get that. I, um, I happen to live with someone who <coughs> compassion and empathy do not come super easy. Um, we, we joke in our family that he has a heart of stone, which is terrible, and he's not here, so he can't defend himself. But, um, and it's not true at all. He does not, my husband does not have a heart of stone. However, um, he shows his compassion in different ways. And, um, you know, he is an acts of service type person and he's really generous with his resources. So we don't all show compassion in the same way, which is a good thing. So we can all have and show compassion, albeit in... Um, in different and creative ways. Yeah. So I don't want this to be, I don't want you to be sitting there thinking, oh, I'm not, you know, I don't want it to be a guilt trip or, you know, for you to feel condemned or I'm not doing enough. But I just, um, yeah, because I see the way that many of you are compa show compassion and love and that's awesome. I guess I'm just encouraging, I want to encourage us and myself to maybe extend ourselves a bit in this area. Um, practice those, those three things. And I know it's easier said than done, but look at normal needs with supernatural eyes. Expect God to use what you have in your hands. Keep eternity in mind. Okay, it's been a nice quick service today, isn't it? Awesome. So that's, that's what I have for you today. But um, in closing, I just want you to imagine something for me. I want you to imagine the face of Jesus looking at you. If you can, imagine the face of Jesus looking at you. His gaze unwavering. He looks at you with love a face so full of compassion that you actually feel like you have to look away. What does he say to you? He knows every detail of your life. What are your deepest prayers that you long for him to ask answer? Maybe you want to 
ask him to give you his compassion to those around you. We have the opportunity to know the compassion that Jesus had and the compassion he gave. Let's follow his example. Okay, at, at CV, uh, normally we have a chance for, for prayer um, and we have a chance for ministry. And um, so we're going to do that now. Uh, and, yeah, I was just sort of thinking about maybe some different... how, how people might feel, I guess, after, the, after that message. And... Um, so this is something that when you respond to ministry, you can come up the front for prayer or you can just sit where you are and you can ask somebody beside you, if they, if they look nice, to pray with you. Um, either is absolutely fine. Um, and these are some areas. I'll just list a couple of things that I had um, felt that God might be wanting to do. So first of all, Maybe you are sitting there and you just want to experience love and the love and compassion of God. Maybe when I did that little thing, when you, you know, could imagine his face looking at you, you were like, I don't feel like I really know that. And so maybe that's what you want. Maybe you'd love someone to pray with you and, and to ask for that, that you would know that love and that compassion. Maybe... You have sat there today and you want a greater, desire, greater sense of mercy and compassion for other people. Maybe that's what you want. You want God to transform your way of thinking and acting. So maybe you'd like prayer for that. Maybe you would like to make a commitment to follow Jesus. And that would be amazing if that's what you've decided to do. So you might want him to come into your life for the first time. And we would love to pray with you if that's the case. Um, maybe you want to ask God, what have you put in my hand? hands? What have you put there? How do you want to use me? You might want to offer to God what he has given you. Or maybe... You just want to go and chat to people, enjoy Mother's Day treats, and have coffee. And that's absolutely fine too. I wouldn't mind doing that. You call.